What is going on, everybody? Welcome to The Deeper Dive. I am your host for this episode, George Towers. Thank you all for jumping on with us. And today's a special day on the podcast because we are joined by an esteemed guest who is not a guest, the one and only Pastor Daniel Brown, a.k.a. DB, a.k.a. Slim Aristotle. That's a... (laughs) I don't need any more nicknames. That's a nickname. I, have I just so many nicknames. I just made that up today when I thought about you. Just slim. If you don't know Pastor Daniel, he's like six eight. What are you not? Six two, six three, six three. Super slim and always dropping wisdom. Yeah. AKA Slim Aristotle. That's gonna stick from now on. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and, and in case you're new to to, to this podcast, uh, the whole idea is we we just take you know 25, 20, 25 minutes or so and dive a little bit deeper. Um, into whatever we talked about on Sunday. So we've been in the middle of a series that's called Strange Land. Mm-hmm. Whole idea is that we are strangers in a strange land. That's the people that God has called us to be. It started with the founders of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in this series, we're sort of unpacking some of the, the lives of those early founders of the faith and seeing how they were called to be strangers in a strange land in different ways and what that means for us. So if you missed the message this past Sunday... Uh, that Pastor Daniel preached that was called grasping. Yo, like first off, what are, what are you doing? That's question number one. And then secondly, uh, just pause this podcast right now. Like just hit pause and go back, listen to that message because I really think that it will bless you and it will give you some context to actually dive deeper into that topic. So uh, DB, would you give us like, you know, for those of us that missed it or even if they just listened to it and need to refresh it, like what's the What's the recap? What did you say on Sunday? If you could give us like the, you know, the 90 second version of a 30 minute sermon. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll do my best. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we're looking at the life of Jacob and specifically um, in in the context of the series, we we look at Jacob, we look at Abraham, we look at Isaac, and we kind of expect them to be different. (laughs) Like, you know, like you kind of go back there and you think, you know, you see this idea that God's chosen them, that he set them apart, and so you kind of expect to to see someone that is wholly different. They're more virtuous, they're more, like, spiritual, um, and, and, and I think what is kind of alarming is you get in these texts and you're like, oh my gosh, is this the type of people that God likes and supports? <laughs> right. um, because... Yeah. In some ways, they, they go the opposite of God's heart and nature, and, and, and what you really see is that God has them on a journey, hmm. just like He has us. And I think even more so, we get to see from a thousand-foot level this transformational journey, kind of like if you could see all the things we think and all the things we do behind the scenes, right. you go, man, this guy's jacked up. Surely yeah, yeah. this is not one that God would choose for, for His purposes in the world. And so, so I think immediately, uh, I just wanted to, on Sunday, set the mindset that, man, Jacob is on this dur- journey from grasping to a deeper trusting of God. And, yeah. and, and how does that happen in our lives? How, how do we go from grasping to deeper trusting? Because in my life, I know better. I know to trust the Lord. I know my identity's in Him. I know my values in Him. I know all these things in my head. But it doesn't really change the fact that the same desires that drive my neighbor that doesn't know the Lord drive me, right. the same insecurities that drive my neighbor drive me, the same value systems often that drive my neighbor will drive me. You know, so even though I'm different, I'm not different. Right. And so I think we Gosh. even look at Jacob's life and go, "Wow, he's really not different." And 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 so I, I think that was kind of the starting place, and then it just unfolded into this idea of where is this grasping coming from. 
Hmm. And how does it manifest in his life? And what we see right out of the gate is, I believe, that his grasping comes from a deep um, sense of inadequacy and insecurity and desire to be loved. Um, and, and we all know that in some sense that we kind of all grasp from that place. But I think there is just a just dramatic example in Jacob of someone that didn't have his father's acceptance, his father's love, his father's appreciation, um, and lived in the shadow of a brother that was so talented wow. and gifted, wow. right? And so out of that, he grasps. He grasps to establish his place. He grasps for love. He grasps for affection. He does that by trying to steal his brother's blessing. Um, um, and then the ways he did that. So we talked about, you know, he does it by, one, taking control right. of the situations, right. which is our natural tendency, especially for control freaks like yeah. myself. <laughs> um, or he does it by taking on personas um, that we see Jacob. He takes on Esau's persona to get the blessing from his father. He takes on... Um, uh, maybe someone else's identity, someone else's life, or, or even um, takes on aspects of this world that we think will make us lovable. Um, wow! So we grasp through either yeah. taking control of a situation or putting on a or a persona, persona that gives yeah. us more leverage within the situation. Yeah, gives us more leverage, makes us feel more loved, makes us feel uh, more control, and so so we see this in Jacob's life that he's grasping that it's born out of this deep brokenness and desire for love, for blessing. To I mean, what all of us, we want someone of, of extreme importance in our life to look at us and say, you matter, hmm. you have value, you are unique. I mean, you, even just saying those words, like there's something in every one of us that comes up and be like, yes, yes, Thank you know, you. <laughs> that little inner boy, inner girl that is that. And so you see that that's driving Jacob's grasping. And so... So the whole sermon just kind of looked at that and then closed out with the idea of what we see God do. Hmm. Um, not so much Jacob, which is interesting because Jacob never comes to the point where he cries out to God, where he repents for all the destruction that his grasping has caused in his family, um, which is which is pretty significant. Um, but he comes to this encounter with God in in the middle of nowhere where God shows up and reveals who he, he is. Wow. And I think paints a wonderful picture that Honestly, we're never going to stop grasping. We're never going to be really different until we are are grasped in our inner being by the reality and truth Man. of God and who he is and what he's doing and that we as believers have the Abrahamic blessing. And man, there was so much there. It was really hard to unpack, yeah, but I think, yeah. I think even just as you were as you were talking about it on Sunday and even now, I think that idea of, you know, you talked about how there's a little kid you know, in all of us that wants that approval, wants that acceptance mm-hmm. um, of a parent figure, or maybe you were raised by, you know, your, your grandmother or whoever, you, you, we desire that from somebody. And I, I don't know, when you talk about grasping, to me, it, it feels like that's what religion is. There's, there's <laughs> like, there's this, the, a belief in all of us, maybe deep down somewhere that we're not good enough that we're not right enough. So even in good faith, we want to reach towards God. We want to be good mm-hmm. enough. We want to mm-hmm. uh, stop enough of our bad behaviors um, and start enough good habits and make sure we never miss a day in our devotion. Like all these things are probably good in, in and of themselves, right? Like you should stop swearing and cussing people out. No question. Like reading your Bible is a better idea than not reading it. All these things are good. But do you think sometimes those actions, even within a religious context, uh, context or trying to follow Jesus can turn into us grasping towards God to try to get God's approval by 
the things that we do. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely, and and I I think if you've done that long, I, I mean honestly, don't we all live that way? I mean in reality, that's most of us, and it, and I think it's hard to to change our mindset. And I think like I kept wanting to look here at what Jacob did right. <laughs> and I couldn't find it, <laughs> you know, I, like, like, oh man, this is where he turned his heart to God and really, and then started mm-hmm. making his way towards God. But only what I, what just kept sticking out to me was, was God. And wow. I know that sounds like such a religious or spiritual answer, but honestly, every time it was like, oh, so God showed up. Oh, so God chose. Oh, so God did yeah. this. And it just made me realize, yes, there is, there is a trying hmm. in the faith, um, and, but it's, it's different than, than grasping. Hmm. And, and I, I think we see in, in Jacob, um, this image of, of really what been man's approach to God and religion throughout history. I mean, so much so if we want to dive into it, you look at this image that he gets, that he's revealed of the ladder or the staircase, right? right. right? In Bethel, right? Or whatever that yeah. was in so he gets his image of the staircase, and, and, and then his response to it is, surely I didn't know that this was the gate of the Lord or, or the house of God. Right. What, that, what he's referring to there is actually the Tower of Babel. Um, that's what that was referred to. And, and if you're familiar wow. with the Tower of Babel, that's what the people use to get to God. We can build a tower we can build that a reaches tower. the and, Yeah, and, and that was based on, and I can't remember the name of it, the, the type of temple they uh, built in that time, I think it's called like a ziggurat or something like that. Right, and it was built at like a stairway, like a staircase, to attain to God. Mm. And and wow. even you look at early Christianity, they they took the language staircase and they made it into the ladder, the really? rungs in which you climb okay. to get okay. to God. Right, and and that was that was the way they interpreted this passage. Mm. And once again, they're all missing the point. Elijah even missed the. I mean, Jacob missed the point here because the the staircase wasn't for him to get to God. It was the fact that God was coming was to him coming to, oh. and that heaven had come down and that God had intervened and but that how was working. Is that? I mean, that yeah. was the, the takeaway of your message is to stop grasping and allow ourselves to be grasped by a God who came to us. Right. And I feel like that feels maybe to some like an elementary concept, like Jesus loves you, right? right. Like, like right. it's like, all right, bro, give me the meat. Give right. me like something deep. But how often do we not, if we don't start from that place, mm. that God came down the ladder and the ladder doesn't exist for me to climb it. Like we want to grasp, we want to do more, we want to, mm-hmm. and man, so much of discipleship is that it's growing into the people that we're called to be, mm-hmm. but we almost, I, ha, I don't know, I found this in my life. I, I have to constantly reset that to realize God has come to me. This whole thing is not based on my ability to reach upward. It's all based on God's action that he already completed that reached downward towards me right. and did for me what I could never... Like, it's, it's, it's basic grace, which mm-hmm. is never basic. No, it's, it's extremely complex, and it's, it's one of those you have to always be coming back to. And it reminds me of just that idea of, like, a son trying to be... trying to get the father's approval and acceptance and, and really trying to be the son. And the reality is, the more he accepts that he is the father's son <laughs> right? and then lives into that. Wow. It's that way around versus living into it. And then you're the father's son. I had son. this conversation with my yeah. son, my older son, Noah, last night he was doing his work. He, he gets a little scattered. Like, so <laughs> he was supposed to be doing his writing and 
He just doesn't pay attention sometimes. So like you could see he's supposed to write a whole page and halfway through you could see where he just stopped trying, <laughs> you know? So we got on him. I got on him a little bit yeah. about focusing and trying your best. And his countenance just got like really low. Like he dropped his head and he was like, man, I, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good. And he just was like, nah. yeah. So I, I took him aside later, you know, a couple minutes later and just hugged him and told him like, hey, I love you. Do you, do you know why I love you? And I like wait. He just was looking at me with a goofy smile. Like, like, do you know why I love you? And he, he said, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, cause you're my son. Like, bait. I don't love you because you do your work right. I don't yeah. love you because you always stay focused. Yeah. I love you because you're mine. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on you a little bit about trying to get better. So it's not one of, the, it's not either or, but it start. It has to start from a place of you are a daughter and a son of God, and therefore yeah. you can stop trying to reach up a ladder that you were never intended to climb. Yeah. Well, and I think it comes back to that that quote I said at the end or the challenge I gave is, and at the end of the day, how many, how many times have we settled for the knowledge of that? Hmm. The knowledge and the maybe even the belief right. that we are that or we are that, but not... Um, I think we've settled for that, but not gone after the experiential um, encounter of that in our lives. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think what we see here is Jacob grew up his whole life knowing and being taught. I mean, the uh, the people uh, of God, they have an amazing history of passing down their history. And so you know he knew it. He had <laughs> right. it memorized. No question. He had, he had it down to the T memorized the exact thing that God told him, <laughs> but God needed to tell him. And, wow. and I think so many of us, unfortunately, are living with this knowledge of God, this belief of God, but don't go into the spaces of that transformative experience of him. So good. So, hey, one of the things I wanted to make sure we had time to do in this episode, and we've talked about this before, is uh, sort of what happens um, anytime you give a sermon or a talk is you prepare like a whole series of things to talk about. And then you have to cut off so much to give like a 30 minute talk that people can pay attention to. Right. So I had the privilege this past week of being a part of some of your prep Mm -hmm. and you sharing so much. And I'm like listening to the message on Sunday. I'm like, where was this? Where was this? Where was this? Like there was so much you didn't say. So I wanted to like touch on some of the, like the deleted scenes of the sermon uh, that you didn't get to talk about, which I thought were just so insightful Hence, uh, the nickname Slim Aristotle, like just uh, <laughs> such wisdom in these things. So, yeah. um, in no like particular order, like some of the things that got left out this week, which I think um, give us such an opportunity to dive deeper. One of them that you mentioned was early on in the scene um, in Jacob's life where he ends up coercing the birthright from Esau, right? And like mm-hmm. uh, Esau comes home and he's hungry. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. This is, that's, that's not the right part. I'm talking about the, the blessing. blessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is later in Jacob's yep. life where he wants the blessing from his dad. Yeah. And they come up with that whole plan and he puts goat hair on his arms and the smooth part of his neck, which is hilarious. Yeah. And you taught, you said something about how he gets the blessing, but God, but, his, but Isaac wasn't actually blessing Jacob. Right. Can you go into that? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, in the sermon, the idea is that to get the blessing, to get the love, to get the appreciation that he wanted to to feel valuable, he dresses up like his brother, right? So, so, and just talked about how in parallel, 
um, so much of our grasping is taking on the identity and the things of this world that we think will give get us that blessing, that will make us get the blessing and love of the firstborn. And how we all, at, at, at the end of the day, all of us intrinsically, even if you had a good father or a good mother, intrinsically have a lack there. Mm. Because I think at the end of the day, we are all supposed to be the firstborn. In fact, real quick, this is a side no, note. Yeah. Uh, in Revelations, there's a point where, um, I can't remember where it is, but he, he said he, he's addressing the church of the firstborn. Oh, like, like this, we're all and, the firstborn. Yeah, and you're like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's only one firstborn. But that's this crazy reality of God, because he's so big, and because his, his reality is so much bigger than ours, is that we are the church of, of the, the firstborn. firstborn. Dang. And, 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 and what we see is Jacob comes in this space. He wants, he wants the love of the firstborn. He wants the appreciation of the firstborn. He wants the attention and <laughs> yeah. the acknowledgement. And he wants to hear his father call out that destiny that's deep into his heart. And so what does he do? He pretends to be someone else. And he pretends, he pretends to, be, to be the firstborn. And he pretends to be the firstborn. And he pretends to be the one that his whole life he probably looked up to. Dang. You know, he looked up to his older brother and he thought, man, I wish I had the courage to go out and hunt wild game like he did. But, you know, like he just didn't have it. And so he pretends to be that to earn the father's love. And so basically it's going well, right? Like he he passes the test. Like Mm -hmm. he like he tricks him. He he tricks him. Right. His dad can't see that well. So it's just it's all messed up. So he gets to this point where 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 he's about to get the blessing. And it says, so he went to kiss him. And Isaac caught the smell and the clothes. Man. So mm-hmm. what he gets triggered by this love he has for his older brother, and he says, Oh, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. And then he goes on and gives the blessing. And I can just imagine, I can oh. almost feel Jacob's heart dropping in that moment. He's getting the words he always wanted. He's getting the kiss he always wanted. But it wasn't for him. Ooh. You know, it was for his brother. And and I think so often in our striving, in our grasping, often we get what we want, and there's a hollowness to it. <laughs> well, you got what you wanted, but you didn't want what you got. Like, it, yeah. it ended up not doing the thing. Because, so there's this beautiful quote from, um, from Tim Keller where he said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Mm. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, is a lot like being loved by God, right? Mm-hmm. That there's a sense of like, if I have to, I can get the love. Like this, when you said that, I was just like my, like, my mind blew, right? Like to get the thing that we thought we wanted, if I have to become something else to get it, it's not really me that's getting it. It's like being loved but not known, and that's hollow. Mm-hmm. To get the blessing that he dressed up to get, mm-hmm. it's like it almost, you said it almost like highlighted the discrepancy that he had in his soul of that lack of love from his dad. He yeah. it actually, it actually it widened it the gap. Yeah, it made it worse. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's just, it's so uh, the reality of, of I think some, sometimes we want to focus on what we're going after. And I think God says, it's not only what you're going after, it's how you go to get it. And if you'll just trust me and the way that I'm going to order, order things, it'll be so much more fulfilling. Hmm. 
You know, I mean, I mean, it goes back to the, I mean, the the whole sex talk or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's like it's not that you want sex is wrong, right? It's the way you go about getting it, and if you'll just trust me, yep, you will enjoy it so yeah, much yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. You but got what but, you wanted, but then you right. end up not wanting what you got. Right. I mean, that's so, that's, and then it's unsatisfying, yeah. and we we then end up grasping for more. Man, I thought that there was such a depth to that of mm. how many of us in some area of our life are trying to gain something good, approval, success, um, some sort of relationship. But then if you can't be who you are to get it, when you do get the thing you think you want, it leaves you more empty than before. Yeah. I I just thought that that was like a word for so many people Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. to sort of take off the goat hair, you know what I'm saying? And Because if you have to put on the goat hair to get the blessing, you're not going to want it when you get it. Um, and you brought up this other point also about how later on in, in Jacob's life, how he was out in the middle of nowhere and how that was, I never noticed that before about how he had pretty much lost everything at that point. Yeah. (laughs) His, his brother hates him and is trying to kill him. His dad is probably already like, yo, you, you going to trick an old, like a blind old, like that's messed up. Like that, his, his father at best disdains him. Best disdains him. His mom who was his only supporter, you said, as, as he had been sent off, he would never see her again. Yeah, and it was in die. his place mm-hmm. of, his, of his deepest despair and loneliness that God came to him, mm-hmm. that he didn't even cry out for God. Right. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I just, I mean, you touched on it on Sunday, yeah. but yeah. I, I feel like there's so much more there. Yeah, I mean, once again, this whole theme of, like, he had to be adequate, he had to be sufficient, he had to be more, and yet, at this point, he hasn't repented, he hasn't prayed, he hasn't cried out to God. Um, We'll even see after this text, he doesn't still fully get it. Yeah, so that's the thing I want you to say. Yeah, he he doesn't even fully get it. I mean, his response to, to God showing up initially, you think, oh, man, he's getting it. You know, man, God was here, and I didn't even know it. But then right after that, he makes a vow to God, and the vow is an ultimatum. Basically, if you do what you said you would do, then I'll give like, you the rest. He still is not trusting. He's still not. Um, he's still not uh, surrendering to the deeper realities of God, and he's still having a gra- He's still grasping. He's still trying to control this and keep it in. And I mean, that's all of us. I mean, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had these amazing encounter with God, and it's not a week later. <laughs> that I'm I'm reverting back to I'm, that grasp. I'm reaching again. And 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 how easy it is we forget. Um and this, I mean Jacob Jacob's at this place where yeah, I mean he's at the end of his rope. But I th- I think one of the, the, the most convincing lines for me in that is one of the first things he says uh in this speech, you know, he reveals himself, he sees the staircase, he talks about the descendants, you know, which is more of what he told Abraham. And then the, really the first thing he says to him, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Mm. And that stood out to me because at this point, you got to think he don't deserve it. Like, come on, man. He does not deserve it. He, he is not ready for it. Um, he probably feels inadequate. I mean, look at what he's like thinking, man, look at all I did in the wake of destruction I left behind me. Wow. And yet God says, wait a second, I'm going to make you a blessing. And and I just think it just reinforces this reality that man, at the end of the day, it's it's not so much about us as it is about who God is and what He's doing. 
And the more we can realize, like, he's doing what he's doing in spite of us and around us and yet still chooses to include us, the more I think we can believe that he's going to use us. And this is something that you said as well, right on that note of, like, how time and time again in the Old Testament, God reveal when God's revealing God's self to someone, He says, "Hey, it's, it is I, the God of Abraham mm-hmm. and Isaac and Jacob." It's sort of like His caller ID, like this is yeah. who you're talking yeah. to. And how, in despite in that moment, right when when He when God comes to him and when He's wrestling with God earlier in His life, and He says, "Hey, what's your name?" Your name's He said, "My name's Jacob," like which means deceiver, heel grabber, yeah. all these supplanters. Yeah. And God changes His name. Like, you will no longer be Jacob. You'll mm-hmm. be Israel. And we like to preach that. Like, God yeah. has given... I think I did that yeah. later Give in the year. Name. He's given brilliant. you a new yeah. name, and, yeah. and you will no longer be called addict. Come on, somebody. You will no longer be... You know, all that stuff. Yeah. But what's crazy is that God still identifies God's self as the God of Jacob, not right. of the new guy, not right. of the guy who got it all together, but, but the grasper. Right. The one who immediately after the encounter went back to reaching. And you talked about just that's the faithfulness of God, that even in our grasping, like he didn't say I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel. Yeah. The people, the, the Israel who got it right. I'm the God of Jacob who's still kind of jacked up and mm-hmm. is still trying to work this thing out. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful image. And I, I think, I think at the end of the day, the fact that God is a God that loves our part selves. And what I mean by that is our undeveloped selves. Mm. And I think that we think that God loves us when, or God loves us, loves the best idea of ourselves. And right. it's like, he yes, loves he, he, lo- he loves yeah. me now, but it's like just so that I can get to that. Right. It's like buying a stock. Right. Like when it's super low, I'm <laughs> That's buying a good it. Point. I'm yeah. buying it because one day it'll be worth something. It'll be something. worth something. <laughs> and it's got like, I see the value. In, and and there's, there's some goodness to that, no, right? For sure. But I also think that God just loves us even in our broken state. And, and I think that um, Jacob is, is, is a beautiful picture of what we all are and what we're all called to be, which is on the journey of deepening trust. I think the key is we've got to keep journeying toward deeper trust mm. and not living at that place of grasping. Because as you pointed out, grasping, even if done in a, a virtuous way, leaves destruction. Wow. When it's done in our own, and when it's done in our own might, it just leaves destruction. I can't tell you how many times I've grasped for things, and at the end of the day, my grasping has only made things worse. Wow. And, um, and, yeah. So it, it's a rich idea. I I want to throw one crazy idea out Do there it. that I didn't get to discuss. And Do we it. were talking about it before okay, this. Go. All right. So Jacob's grasping is born out of this inadequacy and this favoritism in his family, right? Where sort his of a dad, grasping upward, right? Right. And his dad shows favor to Esau, but not to Jacob. And so out of this deep sense of like not having the love of his father, I think you see this birth in him as grasping. But we talked about later in his life, Jacob grows older and has his own kids, has 12 of them, has a lot of kids. All right. And he does the exact same thing his dad did. Oh. He favors Joseph. And and what does it cause? It causes destruction in his family. Oh my god! And I just think once again, just the the reality of of the generational sin idea, and that we always think we're going to be different from our fathers, but often that hurt leads us to do and duplicate, maybe in a different form. Um, and it's the, the idea, like whatever do, yeah. d- dysfunctional 
spiritual whatever behavior I have that I see in my life, it's like I can probably trace that. Like right. I probably got that from somewhere up the stream. That's totally. I never noticed that. Totally. Even though, in the idea that um, I can't remember if Joseph was the youngest or not, but I know he wasn't the oldest. And how I bet Jacob remembered what it was like to see the oldest get the favor. Right. So then he's like, you know what I'm going to do? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to favor one of the younger ones this time and get him this sick Gucci coat, you know? (laughs) And it's like, you tried to fix it, but you're doing, it's coming from this, the animating energy of it is the same. Like, and it always divides. Right. And I think it comes back to the point I made slightly in one of the services. I think I made in both services was we will not make it very far in unearthing and, and removing that grasping and trusting the Lord in our lives until we until we are willing to really engage and, and grow in a greater self-awareness mm-hmm. and deeper understanding of our story. Wow. Um, because I, I think the more we engage that, the more we can, we can change the narrative in our lives and in our children's lives. But so often... We want to take a truth, we want to believe it in our heads, but we don't integrate it into our stories, we don't integrate it into um, the places where our identity has truly been developed, and thus we never stop grasping. And so I think key, key to grasping, you know, I said was having these radical encounters with God, pursuing and being grasped by the reality of God, but it is also um, knowing yourself better wow. and knowing your story, and I think so often... Uh, we know that we grasp, but we don't know why we grasp. Ooh. And it's so important that if we that we know why we grasp, because if we don't, it will be repeated in the generations after us. Oh. Selah. <laughs> Man. Okay, so I want to end with a question. You talked about at the end of um, your message about if we're going to grasp, mm-hmm. then we should grasp for that life, altering encounter with God, not a head knowledge, not the thing that we think will make us happy. If we're going to reach, which is in our human nature, we should reach or grasp for that encounter with God, like, like, like the one that, um, that changed the trajectory of, of Jacob's life. When I think, when I hear that, I think of, you know, that other passage, um, in the new Testament, I believe it's Paul that says it, that says, you know, like if work to enter the rest of God, He's talking about this idea kind of of grasping, like stop trying and just enter into the posture of rest, of Sabbath, of knowing God has done it for you. But it's a paradox. It's work to enter the rest. It's like, right. what? <laughs> so for someone listening to this, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I want to stop. Gra- How do I grasp for an encounter? Mm. What, is that, what does that look like on a Tuesday? <laughs> um, how, do yeah. I, how do I reach for that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the great mystery of it all. I, I mean, everything in us that makes us grasp is the desire to be in control. Um, I would say, um, I do think we are supposed to grasp for experience of God. At the same time, we're not completely control of it. Wow. I mean, we don't see that. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't see that in mm-hmm. any. I mean, God just kind of shows up when he shows up. But there are moments um, like Elijah where where he said, hey, I want to see God. And God hides him in the craft. Right, right, the right. rock, right? So, so we do see that there are people that pursued it and they sought after it, and so I think it is this weird paradox. I don't, I don't claim to know how exactly mm. it works. Um, I just know that we often, too often, settle for the truth or the belief or the knowledge of God rather mm. than the experiential love of God, 
And, and I think at the end of the day, knowing my life, the more I've created space for it, the more I fought for it against the other things that pulled at me. Um, so I would say that's one of the biggest keys is there's things pulling at your affections. There's things pulling at your attentions. There's things pulling um, at you to say, hey, do this, and then you'll feel worthy, whatever those are for you. The more that I learn to fight against those mm-hmm. and to fight for the so presence good. of God, then what I found is eventually showed up and then I, in my life in radical ways. Um, and then I'd say the last part of that would be wait. Wait. Like, Wait. honestly, how, how many times in this in Jacob's text, in all these texts, you got to be like, man, just wait. Like, and, of course, we can see the story how it ends, <laughs> right, right. but we just want to be like, dude, just chill. Just chill, just chill for real just quick. Just chill. Yeah. It'll come. Yeah. Just chill. Yeah. Like, I know that you think your dad's going to pass you over. It's okay. Just chill. He's not going to. Just, like, just yeah, wait. You oh. just got to wait. And how many times? I mean, from Genesis wow. through the Psalms, through the Proverbs, through through the, the minor, pro- especially in the minor prophets, it's like, wait on the Lord. Man, it's almost right? like sometimes the most important decisions we'll end up making are the ones we don't make. Right. Just wait. Just wait on the Lord. And, and I know that there's a passivity to that, that people sure. think that you are just giving up. Um, and I think that we don't have enough time to go into active waiting, but we did an Advent series on that a couple years ago. You can go back That's and so listen good. to that. But there is an active waiting that that we are called to that is epitomized in the advent season um but i think that so much of it comes down to are we willing to wait on the lord mm-hmm. are we willing to trust him in that period and i m- my guess is that if you carve out spaces to wait you fight against the things that would distract you um you know as 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 so many other places were alert mm-hmm. and ready i think god shows I, I can't, he is in my life, and I'm sure that's been the case in yours, George. Yeah. Man, what an, an important, significant, potentially life-changing message, man. And I, I hope um, for all of us that are listening to this, whether you're in your car or on a jog or uh, at work with one ear pod in so your <laughs> boss thinks you're working or whatever, but like it, wherever you are, let this sink in today that we can stop reaching and grasping and allow ourselves to experience a love that was there the whole time. Um, and redivert that energy of trying to earn something that we think will come externally from some other source and divert that towards God and waiting on him in the way that he wants to show up. Man, like what a powerful message. And DB, thank you for uh, delivering it so strong and unpacking it a little bit further. Uh, Slim Aristotle, we appreciate it. Would you pray for us um, real quick before we go? Lord God, I pray for the sons and the daughters that are listening to this right now or maybe the people that have not even come to accept you and know you as Father. Lord, I pray that they would have um, a divine encounter with you. God, I think of the radical moment where Paul was on the road, and you showed up, and you knocked him off of his horse, and, and you blinded him so that he could truly see. And God, I just believe right now yeah. there's so many people. Maybe they've known about you. Maybe they, they, they have belief in you, but they have not experienced a transformational um, experience of your love and of your nearness. And so right now, wherever they're at, I just speak over them that, that Lord, you would radically show them the realities of who you are and where you are and what you're doing in their lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey. 
Man, that has been the deeper dive. DB, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll see you on here next time. Take care.